welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. And now here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Springer. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And for those of you way in the back, hi. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, by the way, yes. uh, just to do a couple headlines about what's happening tonight, we've got Ricky Nye with us who yeah. will be doing the music. And Ricky is a very uh, significant boogie-woogie artist, a specific uh, su- sub-element of, yeah. the, of the genre, roots music genre. And plus, Jerry, in a, in a few minutes, is going to talk about the uh, announcement today by the director of the FBI that no charges will be filed for her use of emails on a private server. So we'll circle Hillary back. Clinton, Hillary no, Clinton. Yeah. yeah, not Ricky Nye. Yeah. Ricky right. Nye can... Hey, Ricky, you're clear. You're good to Ricky's go. Ricky's clear. Well, actually, no. I heard Ricky yeah. might be indicted. Yeah. No, no, yeah. no. We're kidding. We're yeah. kidding. We'll uh, talk to him after the show. Figure it out. Hey, Jerry, we yes, should Jean? talk about, and maybe you should sort of flesh this out, we're going to do a really interesting thing at the Democratic Convention, which is, what, the 25th through the 28th of July. Right, in Philadelphia. And uh, we're not doing podcasts there. We're going to do something a little different. Uh, Jerry Springer has been to many conventions as as a delegate, and I have as well. And we've both uh, been as delegates uh, and covered it for journalism. I did a couple radio gigs there, and you've done TV there. You've also been to Republican conventions, as I recall, in your work with News Channel 5 in Cincinnati. And so we're going to do something that's kind of unique. In fact, let's brag, Jerry. We think we're going to do the coolest coverage at the convention. And you're going to explain to what I'll be doing because I don't, you know. have, don't have any idea. I don't no have idea a clue. You just doing. told me to be there. So, <laughs> right. so when I, I'm oh, going to be knows. walking around. You showed me I have a new microphone. Oh, you got a serious microphone. It's got yeah. some heft to it. Yes. Feel serious. Yes, it makes me feel right. Yes. And, oh uh, but anyway, we're going to cover things, uh, the edgy stuff, the funny stuff, the crazy stuff, the out of the ordinary stuff, like 15 TV stations that can give you chronological coverage of the convention. But we're going to be doing all And it's all going to be on Facebook Live. So whenever we feel like covering something, whenever you see someone that you think is worthy of interviewing, and you as a celebrity yourself will draw a crowd, Mm -hmm. but we're going to go to the parties, we're going to be in the streets, we're going to be in bars, restaurants. Jerry's going to speak to delegations, the Ohio delegation for sure, and probably some others at their morning meetings in their hotels. They're setting them up now. Yeah, so we'll, we'll have coverage of that. And cool. uh, all the background stuff that goes on at, the, at these conventions, you know, obviously, uh, you know, it's going to be um, Hillary Clinton. And, uh, and then the president's uh, going to be giving the major speech along with Hillary. And then we're also going to find out by the time a lot of people listen to this uh, will already know who the vice presidential candidate mm-hmm. will be. And I, I, I can, okay, I'm being vetted, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then when but they come I, up on the question, were you not born in America is when they stop the vetting and say, shut it down. They go on you to have to be, else. you have to be born in America. Yeah. Yeah. You cannot be born yeah. in a bathroom in a subway station in England. <laughs> Sorry, Jerry. No, I, but what if I say I don't remember where I was born? Because honestly, good answer. 
Yeah. I, I have know. no recollection. I was so young. Right. How would I know? I have no recollection of that. I have no rec- recollection yeah. of that. All I remember is the United States. I think you got All it. Yeah, that's right, Megan. All he remembers is the United States. <laughs> All I remember is my parents saying, good Lord. Wait, what is this? Yeah. 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 <laughs> hey, by the way, if you want to follow this, what we think this is, is going to be, be really some cool, cool coverage. Yeah. Uh, then what you need to do is go on Facebook, type in Jerry Springer Podcast, and follow us. Mm-hmm. Right, Megan? That's yep. yeah. Like us and follow us. Yep. And, and Megan... Um, yeah, we want to drive comments. We want to it, look, and everybody. Who, it ought to be a, an ongoing conversation right. about what's going on, right. what your feelings suggestions are, suggestions about what we should be yeah. covering that we're not covering. Yeah. And since uh, I won't be there with you this time around, we'll, we'll, we'll have. I got a real job, so we'll have our HR conversations eve- each evening. Yeah, we'll oh, <laughs> conference you two in to make sure. Wait, that we this can camera go doesn't follow me around <laughs> wherever I Megan, go. My does phone it? number changed, by the way. I'm no longer. <laughs> Every night, we're just gonna have quick 15 minutes run. Yeah. See what you did that day. Hey, wait a sec. Does this camera follow wherever we go? Uh, this camera is it, turned on when we choose to turn it oh, on. Oh, we can turn it, it off. We can turn it this, on. This and camera's off. Jean's phone. Yeah. Because so. yeah, yeah, I got a. <laughs> I got a feeling most of the people who are going to be interviewing will be in p- police uniform. <laughs> well, could be. Yeah, they'll be right. What do you mean, sir? I'm so sorry. These officer. are on a little tight. <laughs> really, be we had no horses. idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, you two have fun. <laughs> speaking of the convention, and Jerry, maybe you can explain how this happens. But I went down the list, uh, which you can get online, of where the various delegations are placed in the city and hotels. Mm. So for people who haven't done this before, never been to a convention, or maybe don't even care, care much about them, this is four days long. We've got our proper c- credentials. We're getting yes. them. So we'll have access to the convention hall on the four nights. But the conventioneers, the delegates are in hotels all over Philadelphia, both in the city and outside of the city. So I went online and I looked to see where the various states are placed. Yeah, and and we should say that each state gets a certain number of rooms allotted in a particular hotel. So all the delegates from one particular state are staying in the same hotel. And some hotels are really close to the convention center. And We're Ohio... You know where at, we are? At the airport. At the airport. <laughs> in Cincinnati. No airport is downtown. No, no airport is by some really cool bar. Well, sometimes. No airport is near yes. the big party we want to go. It's, by the way, uh, Snoop Dogg's having, or no, uh, might be Kanye. One of them is having the unity party at the end of the convention. Oh, okay. It well, sounds we need to so be weird. There. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> yeah. count me in. Uh, but we're yeah, at the airport. So I hand. looked at the list. <laughs> yeah, listen who got where, close? Yeah, listen to this. So Cali, downtown. Well, sure. New York, downtown. Yes. Philadelphia, down downtown. You mean Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because they're state. Kentucky, Downtown, Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, we should we should switch well, wait our a second. allegiance. We're doing over. this in Ludlow, Kentucky. Why aren't we staying at their because hotel? Because your muckety muck friends are all the Ohio Democratic ah. Party people. <laughs> These muckety muck friends yeah. are simply yeah. people that get my money. Yeah, good point. Good point. Friends. So uh, <laughs> put you in a hotel. Yeah. Twenty five miles way, away. From yeah, you. I know. So we're going to be on a, like a school bus, Megan, well, every you day do. going That's downtown to the convention. Well, you have a morning. You have, what normally happens is there's a breakfast in the hotel wherever you're staying 
where the entire delegation meets and you go through what's going to happen, what boats are coming up, that, that you know, everything. And then usually, uh, and with Ohio, since obviously it's such an important state, you know, we'll probably get, you know, maybe the vice presidential candidate to come and speak one morning. So you get a lot of the senators and governors and all that. It's, it, it's really a just a show for the political muckety-mucks. That's yeah. what it is. And by the way, Kentucky is probably in, and we should also explain this is how it works. If you're a smaller delegation, then they drop you into a hotel where a bigger state already is. Because oh, so they'll have mixed and Who's Kentucky match. in with? I don't know that, but I know yeah. they're downtown, and I know that Ohio is uh, way the hell out riding a school bus. <laughs> but I got this idea, Megan, I got this device, and I'll show it to Facebook Live because yeah. we're now live oh, on yeah, Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. But it, for those who can't see, it's about the size of a cell phone, and it's called Spot Messenger. Yeah. Now here's, I, here's why I, got, I have this, because when I go, as they say, off the grid on my vacations and go in the back, I'm a backpacker. I love to do that. So I go places where cell phones won't work. And so this thing, it's very cool. It's got SOS on it, and this is yeah. going to track back to you here in a second. You push SOS, yeah. they're coming, because this will send a signal via satellites, right, the satellites. to some regional headquarters like if I'm not feeling well. Yeah. Or you just get, like, help me, I've fallen and I can't get up? Kind of like that. It's your new kinda life like alert. That. It'd be a little bit more. How old do I look? Yeah, a little bit Wait. more like a grizzly bear just attacked me and my arm is missing. Oh, yes. Or I yeah. having chest I, pains. Or okay, so Jerry can't yeah. get a cab downtown. Yeah. Either one. It's yeah. a big, <laughs> major issue. That, is, that was my, that's where I'm going with this. <laughs> So I've got, I strap this on the I top of it. my backpack, and it sends a s signal up. And, yeah. But it, the secondary thing is you can push I'm okay, and then it sends a message to predetermined loved ones, and they can know that they pass in your phone. And Mickey can reach me on that? Yes. Well, no, it tracks you on a Google oh, map. Oh, great. She'll know wherever I Here's am. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> why, don't we put, thinking? why don't we put one of these, Megan, on Jerry? I think so. Oh, because fine. in a week, he <laughs> claims he goes to these places. I don't know where he really is. Oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> why don't we just, do, just get, yeah. get the tracking device in the back of his neck and be done with it? Maybe. It'll be a lot easier. This could have <laughs> saved me a lot of trouble 45 years ago. <laughs> Did I... You want to explain that, Jerry? Yeah. Testing one two one two. You want to explain that, Jerry? That hindsight really is twenty twenty, isn't it, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> I kept hitting it. It wouldn't go. Nothing happened. Oh. Well, Jerry sadly is referring to something. <laughs> well, well, what? Well, what? The children well, what? at home. Is this thing on? This well, is what? On well, what's Facebook. the point? Well, what's the point of bringing that up? I have no idea. I'm not all there. I'm wondering why all these, why all these people laughed uh, as if yeah. they actually knew. But <laughs> that's kind of scary, right, right yeah, there. Getting back to yeah. So how about that presidential race? Yeah, <laughs> right. I hear you. Hey. Um, uh, Jerry, speaking of the presidential race, let me ask you something. Um, I'd like to ask you about the FBI uh, decision today. And we're recording this on the, what, the 5th of, of July, July, which was the day that the FBI director said no charges. Speak to that a little bit and help us analyze what's behind, you know, what not only is what behind it, but what goes on into the future. Well, the quick headline is, yes, the FBI director came out and said no charges will be filed against Hillary Clinton on the whole email situation. And, of course, that was 
excellent news, obviously, for Hillary Clinton and the Democratic Party. And it also was great news for the country, because even partisanship aside, for either of the presidential candidates to be indicted a week before the conventions would have thrown this country into such turmoil. You know, how do you get a new candidate quickly enough? What has to be done? You know, this election is important for the American people to be able to make a, a choice about what they want the next four years to look like um, in terms of America. So that would have been horrible for the country. I mean, it would have been horrible if it happened to the Republican candidate. I mean, that's not the way we want this thing decided by one of the candidates sitting in jail, obviously. So it was good news for the country and obviously good news for Hillary Clinton, because I do believe if she had been indicted, I think that would have been the end of her candidacy. And I think there would have been pressure on her to withdraw and then all the turmoil that would have come from that. So obviously uh, that was good. And. I would also say because the FBI director went on with not only uh, we will not file, uh, she will not be indicted for any criminal activity, he did then go on and editorialize about how he thought her and the State Department's handling of the emails in question was uh, extremely careless, I think, uh, uh, the words that, that he used. And... The good news for the Republicans is that even though it is no longer a legal issue and the worst didn't happen, his talk will wind up in Republican commercials for the next four months. So it's given the Republican Party talking points on the narrative they keep putting forth of not trustworthy, etc. It has also saved them a week before their convention because now... For the first time, they have something to talk about at their convention. They were in a tough position. I mean, even the leadership didn't want Trump. And you can see whenever a senator or governor is stopped in the hallways of Congress or in the governor's mansion for, a, for an interview, they literally turn around and run away or they avoid the question of what do they think of Trump? Because Trump is who Trump is and obviously not qualified to be a president, but they can't say that. It's their party. They don't want to lose votes, etc. Now they have something they can talk about at the convention. They don't have to talk about Trump. They can just beat up on Hillary. And you watch the Republican convention. That's what it will be almost exclusively. His kids will come out and say, oh, he's a wonderful dad and all that. Uh, but you're not going to find, you know, many politicians that aren't vying for the vice president's position. You're not going to find many politicians saying how wonderful Trump is. So what they can now do is talk about Hillary. That is the consequence right now, the good news for the Republican. Good news for the Democrats. Obviously, she wasn't indicted. Now, more good news for the Democrats. Every presidential election is a referendum on the current administration. Well, you can start from 1960. Some of us were alive at that time, and we can remember all these elections. But starting with the election of John Kennedy, they wanted a change from the Eisenhower years, so he wins in 64. Johnson wins, obviously. People were happy with Kennedy, and then the assassination, the grief, and all that. So Johnson wins in a landslide. 
1968, Johnson doesn't run. Humphrey's part of the administration as vice president. He loses to Nixon, a referendum on the Johnson administration. Nixon wins in 72 against McGovern because people are relatively happy with Nixon. Remember, this is pre-Watergate. And then comes Watergate, so in 76, Carter beats Ford, the referendum in that. In 1980, you have Reagan beating Carter because we had the oil crisis, the long lines, and we also had the hostages at the Iran, at the American embassy in, in Iran. So now you have Reagan winning, and he wins in 84 because people are happy with Reagan, and they're happy in 88, and so Bush wins. Then the economy goes south. Clinton wins in 92 and 96. In 2000, people still happy with Clinton, despite uh, you know, all that happened with him. They're still happy. And so Gore gets more votes than Bush. The Supreme Court decided otherwise. And then in 04, the middle of the war, people hadn't yet soured on it. So Bush gets elected. Then the Everything turns south, so Barack Obama wins in 08, and Barack Obama wins in 12. So now, now we're at the point where, as of this week, the approval ratings for Barack Obama, 56%. Let me tell you, not Reagan, not any other president since possibly Eisenhower ever had such approval ratings in the eighth year of their presidency. So if we go, if this ultimately turns out, and remember, this is four months before the election. So the whole email bit, other than obviously diehard Republicans saying, oh, that Hillary. But for most of America, no one gets up in the morning ticked off because she used one email system rather than another. Okay, so this isn't like a bread and butter issue. My life is ruined because why didn't she use that email system? So it's a political issue, but it's not really anything that affects our lives. That being the case, come November, four months from now, things keep going the way they are, and Trump is who's standing there as the Republican candidate, who, unless you're a diehard partisan, it's hard for anyone to believe that you seriously believe Trump ought to be president of the United States. You may not want a Democrat, but you certainly can't believe that, oh, my gosh, we got a winner in Donald Trump. You know, he's not emotionally stable. He's uh, totally not knowledgeable about how government works, how the country works, how the world works. He's appealing to bigotry. I don't need to say whether he's personally a bigot, but he's certainly gone after Hispanics, Mexicans. He's certainly gone after Muslims. He certainly makes fun of African-Americans. Uh, latest thing is about uh, his anti-Semitism. I mean, this guy is appealing to bigotry as his base. And that is why every white supremacist organization in America is backing strongly the idea of Donald Trump to be the president. In this environment, America's not going to vote for him, barring something like an indictment on the other side or something like that, some event we can't anticipate. America's not going to vote for Donald Trump. You may have loved him on The Apprentice, but they're not going to do it because the demographics of America have changed. They're not going to vote for someone who is against the idea America, someone who is against 
the idea of that this is a, a nation where we invite different cultures, we invite different religions, whatever you are, whoever your parents were, you're welcome in this country. That is the idea of America, Statue of Liberty, not the wall. And therefore, I think for those that get worried about, oh, you know, you get angry sometimes watching the news and you start to say, oh my gosh, is America really gonna vote for Donald Trump? I'm gonna have to eat my words, I admit, if I'm wrong, but it's inconceivable at this point to say that America, barring some catastrophe that we can't think of right now, that they would vote, that American people will go to the polls and say Donald Trump should be president of the United States. Even Republicans will, they may not vote for Hillary, but they'll stay home. So right now, the Republicans are having a good week because they're gonna jump on this email stuff. But it's four months away. In the end, people will vote for what the person they want to have the finger on the button, the person they are willing to say has enough knowledge and enough sense and is at least emotionally stable and doesn't get ticked off and say, I'll get them and blow up the world in the process. You cannot have a man-child as president of the United States. And that's, I think, the direction we're going in. So I think the good news is we won't get a Trump presidency. The bad news is that we're going to go through four months of just filthy, filthy campaigning. I never thought that my show would be better for children to watch <laughs> than this political race. Yeah. Now, I also think that one of the reasons, by the way, and we ought to just touch on this, the, uh, the director of the FBI was absolutely right in saying there was no no criminal charges will be brought against Hillary Clinton because of two reasons. One, the email that she uses or the service that she used, there was no intent, intent to give away top secrets. But there's also another clause that says reckless disregard. And they compare it to the Petraeus situation, the general that gave top secrets to his mistress. Well, he intended to do that. This is top secret. I want you to have it. At no time is anyone suggesting that Hillary Clinton, whatever service she used, intended for something that was uh, confidential to be given to someone that shouldn't have it. She was merely emailing people she wanted to email. The argument is, well, what if it was hacked? Well, she said... By the way, it wasn't hacked, okay? There's no evidence that any of her emails were hacked. The State Department system was hacked by foreign countries. So she made a decision, when I've got stuff I want to talk about, I'll do it on this email. You can, in hindsight, say, well, that wasn't very secure either. But there was no intent, and she wasn't being reckless. She was thinking about what she wanted to use to get the information to the person she wanted to give it to but she gave the information to no one who wasn't supposed to get it. That's why there are no criminal charges. Hey, quick question. Uh, today, President Obama, in the shadow of this announcement, was out on the trail with Hillary Clinton, and I didn't get a chance to see it because of stuff I was doing, but you did, and you told me driving over here. 
Do a quick uh, comment on that. Well, he was, he was on fire. And uh, a full-throated endorsement of Hillary Clinton. I mean, full-throated. Not, not like, well, she's the candidate. I got to endorse her. And he said, and I'm, I'm, it's almost a direct quote. He said, I didn't know it in 08, but there's never been anybody more qualified to be president of the United States, man or woman, without having been president before than Hillary Clinton. Yep. All right. Hey, Jerry, uh, I wanted to ask you a question um, about your time as a newscaster, because it seems like I remember something that happened. I that, that. Uh, you I remember, remember that, I remember being a newscaster, yeah. And Jerry, by the way, was an anchorman and then uniquely did commentaries at the end of each newscast when he was an anchorman, an uh, Emmy Award-winning anchorman, by the way, <laughs> on the NBC affiliate, uh, News Channel 5. So you did these commentaries uh, every newscast. And before you became an anchor, you were doing some reporting and you were largely hired to do commentaries. These are editorials. Right. About three minutes in length, would you say? Yeah, two minutes. Yeah, about two minutes. Uh, the job offer was to anchor the news. But at the time, I didn't want to anchor. I wanted, because I had just finished, you know, being mayor, councilman, et cetera. I wanted to do political commentary. And the deal was, well, okay, you can do a political commentary, but you'll anchor also. But I first, I'd never been on television before in terms of that. So I had a, so there was like a year where I was going to this school, Magid had a, 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 a company out in Iowa where you'd go to learn how to be an anchor person. Are you well, serious? I really? swear to God. But it was only, this was, over, this was 1980, the spring of 1983. And it was just a little room <laughs> where they had a, a tripod with a home movie camera or whatever. You know, the technology then. Mm -hmm. There wasn't even a teleprompter. Really? And they just had me sit there, you know, and I had a, because I, I had this thick New say, York accent. And they, they beat you into yeah, the dialect. They beat that out <laughs> of you they or gave, something? Yes. Or they beat the New York out of me. <laughs> they beat the New York out of me. God love them. Yeah. <laughs> And I tell you what, they gave me Kentucky. <laughs> well, no. looky here, y'all. No, but they worked on my accent and all that. But anyway, and then... How long did you have to go there? I was only there for three days. Oh, I but, thought maybe they'd say, make him go I there for like a like year. I thought you meant like I went through courses. Well, they yeah. couldn't. They were paying for it. So, you know, it was they, three days. It was see three what days. You, see what they you were, can absorb. Well, it was, it was absurd. They didn't even have a teleprompter. And, and I can tell you, the hardest thing to learn, if you've never done it before is how to read out loud. If you think about it, grown-ups never read out loud. The third grade, that's about the time you stop. After six, seven, eight years of age, you think about it. You never read out loud. In fact, people start wondering if your lips are moving when you're reading. They think you're nuts. Yep. And then all of a sudden, now you're before a camera. It's why Whenever these like car dealerships, they do their commercials, they always look so forced or whatever. <laughs> and you think, gosh, why don't they get a professional to do it? Hi, buy my car. Because <laughs> we all are like that when you first start reading out loud. There actually is a skill you got to learn that, you know, your eyes aren't going like this, that you can look down and look up and pick it up and make it conversational mm -hmm. to make it appear as if you're not reading. For example, you all watch the Academy Awards. Mm -hmm. Do you ever notice how you have these great actors and actresses and they come up there on stage and they, they uh, announce the, uh, the winners or the nominees and they talk like they're in the fourth grade. Mm -hmm. 
You know, it's because they're reading a prompter and these actors never have to read prompters. They memorize their lines and they do the scene and, and that's it. And following, yeah, well, on, well, the, following yeah, on yeah. that, so you, you come back <laughs> so and, become, yeah. and you were writing these commentaries and then delivering them and, and they were, I mean, Megan, you saw them, yeah. I saw them. They were great. They were fantastic. So uh, did they them. give you 100% editorial Cart control of your that? content? Or that, was there ever any problem with There content? once was a problem, but... God bless the station and uh, Walter Bartlett, rest in peace. He was the CEO. Tell us about that time. Yeah, what was the problem? Well, my contract specifically said that there's no editorial control over the commentary and that that was going to be whatever I thought for two minutes. Now, if I started to abuse that, because remember, I was doing the news and then I would do the commentary at the end of the news. And at the time, that was kind of revolutionary because... You would have local news stations do a commentaries, but it usually was by the station manager or the general manager right. of the station. It was never by the news anchor because that blurred the line. You know, the news anchor is supposed to be deep-voiced and totally objective. And so, really, I had to wear two hats. I had to be as objective as is humanly possible when I'm doing the news. In other words, when I talked about President Reagan, because this was during the 1980s, I couldn't raise my eyebrows. And if I had something to say in, in a, a negative way or whatever, I would save that then for the uh, commentary. And I mostly stayed away from direct partisanship. I was always liberal, but I stayed away from vote Democrat, vote, you know, I wanted the news to work, and it wouldn't work if it became an obvious right. um, voice for one political party so that's it i had f total freedom to do it one night uh nbc which is we were an affiliate of nbc we did the news at 11 o'clock but the movie from 9 to 11 was a movie on roe versus wade and S cincinnati you should know uh for those you know in other parts of the country or the world um it, was at least at that time very conservative and you know part of the right to life organization in, in the nation was in fact even based here remember the wilkies or whatever so there were protesters outside of channel five all day protesting that nbc would run this movie on roe versus wade you couldn't even even suggest that there was another side on the abortion you had to be right to life so the general manager, the poor general manager, was getting grief all day. The protesters, phone calls the whole day. Now it's the end of the day. He goes home. He's sitting at home, <laughs> frankly, probably having a drink or two. He's watching the 11 o'clock news. Enter Jerry Springer. <laughs> well, right after the sports, going into the final segment, Norma, my, uh, Norma Rashid, who was my co-anchor, she was excellent, very professional. So she would always say, because I would tell her, what the subject matter is. So she said, when we come back, Jerry will have his thoughts, his commentary on tonight's movie, Roe versus Wade. Well, Tony Kiernan, who was the general manager, he's at home and he gets on the, not to me, he gets on the phone, calls the control room. On a break, on a commercial break. On a commercial break. break. And <laughs> there was poor uh, Dave Shadalcotti, a young guy, he was now the producer mm -hmm. uh, of the evening news. A young guy, a kid in his 20s, and Kieran is yelling at him, 
Springer's not doing that. Hell no. <laughs> Take it out of the prompter. Have him do Whoa. something else. What? Well, back then, oh, he's screaming at him. Aww. Now How do you do something else <laughs> do and you're something. on a commercial break. Yeah. Well, back then, you should know the teleprompter, it isn't like today. Back then, it was like a conveyor belt in a, a grocery store. There was an intern who would place the sheets that I had typed out, one after another after another, of the commentary. And you were at the mercy of that intern because the sheets had to be in the right order. And there were times that it was the wrong order and you looked like an idiot because... <laughs> Anyway, line from Anchorman, all of a sudden, I'm looking into the prompter during the commercial break, just no one's talked to me, and I see her hand going in, pulling sheets out. <laughs> so I say, because I'm wearing an earpiece, I say, what's going on? Dave gets, the producer gets on my earpiece and says, uh, Derry, Tony called, uh, we're not going to, you're not going to do that commentary tonight. I said, what do you mean? I said, that's the commentary road, that's what I'm doing. He says, no, he wants you to do something else. And I said, no. And now, poor Dave, imagine, we were pretty dominant in the ratings. So at that time, I was a significant person within the news. And then he's, so he's got me on one side, and he's got the general manager who can fire him on the spot on the other side. And he said, well, you, you, got, you got to do this other one. And I said, you can come back to me but I won't say a word. I'll sit here for two minutes, not say a word. <laughs> so that's your choice. And he says, come on, Jerry. And I go, <laughs> really? Truly? Now, oh, Dave, to his credit, starts putting in other commercials. <laughs> <laughs> this, is in, this is in January. And... We already had, you know, you know watching the, the two and a half minutes of commercials anyway. Now, after the two and a half minutes of commercial, he starts running another one and another one. Now he's putting one in on safe boating. <laughs> <laughs> safe the, boating? The this is January in Cincinnati. <laughs> There's a snowstorm out there. That's fantastic. Quick and, thinking, though. In fact, it went all the way through and finally... Uh, it came back to Norma and said, well, good night, everybody. And that was the whole newscast. Huh. So I then stood up when it was over, and, you know, I, I didn't feel like a hero. I figured, oh, God, I'm going to be fired. So I said, well, I guess I'm going to be fired. And I took that out, and I walked out. And then I called Mickey on the way home, and I said, honey, I did something maybe stupid, but, you know, I'm, yeah. you're probably going to get some calls, but this is what happened. Of course, she was supportive. So now I get home about an hour later, I get the news director to call because he wasn't there. He called me, could you come in and speak with uh, the general? Oh, the owner of the station wants to talk to you tomorrow morning. <laughs> and I said, well, what? There's nothing to talk about. He, you know, you're, oh, uh, please, it's my job. Just come and come in. So, so I went in, and God bless him. He's sitting there, and he brings in the general manager, and he has the general manager apologize and say they won't do it again. And then there was oh, no a big kidding. article in the Cincinnati Inquirer about it. And trust me, I was young, and I wasn't being a hero. I just, that was the agreement. Because once you give up on that, no one's going to believe my commentaries anymore. They're, they're going to only believe that I'm doing whatever the station tells me to do. The, the thing which made it work is you always knew, well, this is what he thinks, and he's a, because I already had a reputation of being a little bit crazy, and, uh, you know, that's what made it work. If it's if I'm just a station 
mouthpiece that right. wouldn't have worked. And that's that's what happened that day. And that's a great story. And Megan, yeah. I think the lesson for you and me is we don't don't mess with him. Yeah, he, he because he'll sit there for two minutes and not say a thing about it. Occasionally, like grow a pair, and <laughs> yeah. we're out. He will sit there and driving the Ludlow City bus. You know. Notice nothing physical was required of my <laughs> bravery. <laughs> I think the hardest thing was for me to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> that two was, minutes together. That's what I should. It's the only time I've ever that's kept fun, my mouth shut. That is shut. a funny story. I never knew that before. Yeah, and uh, remember John Keysweater who uh-huh. wrote for the Cincinnati Inquirer. He wrote big articles. I mean, it became a big story at the time. But you know, when you're going through something like that, you're not thinking this is a big story. It's just a I lost a my personal time. dispute because you don't see the public out there. It's just Dave's over here and whatever. And I'm saying, no, that's what the deal is, you know. And it became a bigger story. Anyway. Hey, uh, Megan, uh, real fast, uh, wanted to ask you something. You know, our promotion, Would You Like to Date Megan? I do, I'm aware and, of and it. And that continues to just blow up. <laughs> oh, it, it's blowing so, up? Oh, yeah. So, and, and I still hate you. So a guy uh, contacted me who wants to be on, and the thing is he wants to now message you personally, so I've okayed that. I just wanted okay. to let you know. <laughs> hey, I, th- I thought it's a courtesy, I would tell you. Thank you, Gina. Hey, uh, let's hear, that. by the way, for uh, somebody coming up, uh, Ricky Nye, Woo. and yes. uh, we're very excited about that. And, in fact, let's turn our attention to that. Let's hear it for Ricky Nye. Let me tell you something about Ricky, and then we're going to ask you, Ricky, to do a song. But this guy is, we're very excited because he is internationally known uh, as a boogie-woogie artist. And you may explain that in a minute. Well, he doesn't have to explain it. You'll hear it. And he has performed all over the world, and we're excited to have him here. Ricky, do us a song, please. All right, here we go. All right. You got me good Now we're married Just like you said we would Well, you got me cooking And running out the trash Well, you know I love you, baby But please don't take all of my cash You know I love you, baby All night and every day Yes, I told you, please don't take all of my pain Yes, Lord, Lord, Lord Girl, you got me good Now we're married, just like you said we would
Ricky Nye, his next project, by the way, is called Getting Loose, and uh, Ricky and I hang out in some of the same bars in the Cincinnati area, and I ran into him <laughs> ran into him the other night at a place called Arnold's in Cincinnati, and we were talking, and uh, Ricky, tell the story, uh, you, do, you play a lot in Paris, mm-hmm. and uh, you were playing in a bar in Paris one night, and uh, Jerry Springer's name came up, tell us that. Yeah, so uh, I was going to see a pretty famous blues artist from the U.S. His name is Lazy Lester, and this guy's from Louisiana, real uh, country man, you know, he's a lot of uh, humor, you know, in his delivery and everything, and, and uh, so uh, we have friends in common, and so I met him during the break, and he went back up to play, and this was at a, a place called the Lionel Hampton Club. It's uh, in the Hotel Meridian. So it's a very, very uh, affluent place. And people that don't have a whole lot to do with the blues are coming there. A lot of business people and such. And so he's, he's up there playing. And, and in between songs, he's talking. And, and he says, yeah, he says, you know, we got people from all over the world here. He says, we got people. We even got a guy here from Cincinnati, Ohio. He had to come all the way to Paris to run away from Jerry Springer. Hey! <laughs> And, and, I'm, and s- I'm so proud. He got a laugh. <laughs> he got, yeah, a, laugh. He got yeah. a laugh. Hey, yeah. Ricky, do a second song for us, would you? All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you, you, had, <laughs> you had mentioned Boogie Woogie earlier, and this is, this is one of my boogies. This, uh, this goes back to uh, back when they used to have tall stacks in Cincinnati. And oh, I played yeah. on the Creole Queen for a week and, and had so much fun with all the people I was working on there. And so I made something called the Creole Boogie. All right.
hey, Ricky, I think they like you. Yeah. Hey, by the way, go to YouTube, go to Google this guy. I mean, his stuff is all over the place. He's amazing. Can you uh, take us out on Irene Goodnight? I'm embarrassed. I Would don't you want let to Jerry sing. Springer <laughs> sing? Not after that. A I'm verse, embarrassed please. by all your love. All right. <laughs> all right, Ricky, take us out. Listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. It's gonna stop all my rambling, stop all of my gambling, stop staying out so late at night in Ludlow, Kentucky. Going home to my wife. And my family and sit by the fireside. Take a great notion to jump.